Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Hilchai Smalva Voloiva Pedikasidi is going to be applying the principles that we learned in the previous chapter in Pedik Chi to a case of a loan. In other words, we're speaking about one that is lending produce, a saw of produce, or in today's vernacular, you're lending a five pounder bag of flour of wheat, and you want for the person, for the borrower, to give you back that same amount, to give you back the five pounds of, of wheat flour. And this also might be problematic. Why might it be problematic? Because it could be that when you're lending the bag, the saw, oh, let's go back to the, to the measurements of the times of Chazal, it was worth, let's say, $5. Could be that when the borrower will repay it, it's going to be worth more money. So it's going to look like ribis. It's avak ribis. So here also, under the following conditions, such a loan, which is called saw, will be permitted. Number one, that's the key, is that the loan has to be given without a minimum time, meaning that the borrower, if he or she wants, can repay, can return that item that was loaned to them today. That's key number one. Key number two is either if it will be permissible, not only because it's called there's no Kivyuzman, because there is already the Sha'ar, in other words, the uh, the the um, market price is known every season. There is a market price for these commodities, so there is already a fixed market price. So you have to have these two fixed market price, and because there isn't a minimum amount of time that needs to go by prior to which the borrower can repay it, or even if there's no shad, even if there isn't yet an established market price. If the borrower has that same product, even though the quantities that he have are very little, which is why he needs to borrow more of it. But since he already has that quantity, the ikid is compounded with the fact that there isn't a kaviyuzman. If the borrower wants, he can pay it back today. Today, whatever the price is, the today the price won't change. Even if he's de facto going to be paying it back a lot of time later, that will bakhlal not be prohibited. That's the nekuda with many pratim ba'ayim b'fnim of this concept of sa'a b'sa'a, when is it mutter and when is it asr midrabana. Hilchois malva voloiva peirek achad asr delineates the difference between a milva alpeh, a loan that is not documented, versus a milva b'shtar, versus a loan that, that is written in a document. Now, if a person lends money in front of Adam, which, by the way, we learned above, is something that should really be done, because if you lend money not in front of Adem, forget about the start, not even in front of Adem, then you're violating, as the Ramam writes, because this gives the malva, this gives the loiva, the opening of him, God forbid, denying that he ever borrowed the money. But anyways, if you loan money, even though there are Adem, since it was not documented, first of all, we're going to call this a milva alpe, and number one, you don't have to repay the money in front of witnesses. Even though you received it in front of witnesses, you don't have to return it in front of witnesses. And as therefore, if you're going to claim later that you already repaid the loan, you will be believed. As is the rule by anyone who's a koifer hakol, you'll have to take the shvos heses that we'll learn later when we're going to learn about the dinam of oaths. But you are able to say parati. If the loan is documented, 
a documented loan is mechayiv the borrower minimally to pay back the loan in front of Adam. Now, by the way, the Ramam doesn't write it in this chapter. Obviously, if the lender has a document and when the borrower is paying back the loan, even though there are no Adam, he says, you know what? I'll give you the money now. Give me the document for me to rip it up or give me a receipt. That's also good. But, but if he doesn't have that, at least he has to have Adam in front of whom he's paying back the loan. And if he doesn't procure such Adam later, he will never be able to say Parati. So that's number one. Number two, not only is the difference whether you can repay it with Adam or not, but a milva that's documented, number one, the lender can always collect the debt even from the Yarshim. Number two, that if the borrower at the time of him borrowing the money owned real estate, which is automatically leaned to the loan, even if the borrower later sold that real estate to purchasers, as long as you have the document, you, meaning the lender, when you come to collect it from the borrower, and really he should pay you with movable money or Kesev or Shava Kesev. If he doesn't have that, then you collect it from his land that's under his possession at the time of collection. If he doesn't have that, if he owned land that is already sold to others, these are called Lekuchais, a Milva Vishtar will allow you to collect it even from the Lekuchais. Masha'enke in a Milva, that's Alpeh, number one, you can never collect from the Lekuchais. And number two, as the Ramam writes inside, a mivol cannot even always be collected from the Yarshim. You have to have various conditions, as the Ramam writes inside the chapter, without which you can't even collect the milva al from the Yarshim themselves, even though they have a mitzvah to pay the debts of their father, but they're not meshubed to, 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 to pay it, and therefore you cannot get the money from the Yarshim in, in most of the circumstances, even though you're working through a basin. Hilchais Malva Voloiva Pedik Shneim Asar is speaking about the unique din of a person who's trying to collect money from minor orphans as the premise, as the rule is, that you have to wait until they become adults. And that is true even if you have a document, which is amazing. But nevertheless, and we said in the previous chapter that one of the big differences between a Milva Alpeh and a Milva Bishtar is that a Milva Alpeh cannot always be collected from the Yarshim. A Milva Bishtar is always collected from the heirs. Yeah, it's collected from the heirs if they are adults. If they are minors, we are choishish that it could be that there are receipts that the deceased borrower, their father, had or has in his possessions. They are still too young to know where to look for it and other such arguments that until when they become adults, generally the principle is you cannot collect it from them and now that i'm goes through the exceptions and just to share in this recap in this synopsis a couple of exceptions number one if they owe money to a guy and therefore it's a loan for which they're paying interest so it's advantageous to the orphans that are minors for the loan to be settled their father left them in a state they have money to pay to pay back the principal loan if you're going to wait until they become adults during that time they're going to owe the money anyways they're paying interest that's a, one example another example if there was a widow and just to know two rules rule number one is is that this is part of the ksuba that when a person passes away even though the dine yerusha go to his male sons but his widow, that means his, his wife, who is now a widow, she gets to continue to live her lifestyle off the state of her deceased husband. Up until when she comes to collect a ksuba or up until when she goes and she gets married. Oh, so, so if you have the estate 
paying the mezoinus of a woman and she's coming to collect the ksuba, it's very advantageous for the estate to settle the ksuba with her because like this she won't be able to continue to collect the monthly stipend that she has. On top of that, there's a concept called chen ha'isha, which is Chazal very much want that, uh, that for a woman to find favor in the eyes of potential suitors that would like to marry her, and what will help her is her having suma money, her having a dowry. So because of all of that, that is some of the exceptions that we learned in this chapter, that yes, that the collection can happen, that Amam writes in this chapter that even when real estate of the minor orphans are going to be sold, there's a unique procedure, Va'ayin Bifnim, that has to, that we have to undergo in order to make sure that the, that the estate, that the properties that are being sold are going to bring in the maximum amount of money, and if the Bezdin makes a mistake in many cases, not only as we learned by the Dine Oinoa, that if there was an undercharge, more than a sixth, is mekach bottle, but the unique din here is is that even if the mistake was only exactly in a sixth, and by dinay oinoa, if the mistake is in a sixth up or down, it's not the vatal the sale. Elama, the losing party gets to claim that sixth back. Over here, if the mistake is in a shtus or more, that will completely nullify the sale, the transaction, even though it was made by an apetrupus that was appointed by a basin.